got to recognize some of the volunteers just being involved, and I do appreciate it. And I just think about just the fun this morning. I mean, breakfast was awesome. And then just getting to come around the corner and watch so many people just playing on the playground or sitting and talking with one another. And as Rick mentioned, just this idea of we all get to come together. And so maybe some of you have been one of those on a Saturday night, a, a 9 o'clock, 1030, or maybe you were invited for the very first time here today. And so to you, I tell you, welcome. I'm glad that you're part of this. And so we do. We get to come together just to lift the name of Jesus high. And so what a great day. And then the weather. Like you can't go wrong with that. And so just all of this put together, I'm excited about what's going to happen. But maybe when you hear that word great, I don't know what jumps into your mind. Like the definition of great, there's all sorts of different things, but it might talk about something large. All right. That is something that's great or something that is important or something that is wonderful. Those things can all be great. So my question is, when you hear that word great, what pops into your mind? So I want you to lean next to someone and tell them, this is what I think of when I hear the word great. All right, go. What jumps into your mind when you hear the word great? Got like five more seconds. Okay, that was great. All right, so anyway, uh, just kidding. Um, I don't know what you said. Maybe you said something like Great Bend or Great Plains, maybe Great Wolf Lodge, Great Clips. Maybe the Great Wall of China came to your mind or the Great Depression, the Great Gatsby, the Great Outdoors, Great Value, Great Clips. Maybe you thought of the song Great Is Thy Faithfulness. Maybe like great minds think alike. You know, maybe those are things that popped into your mind. Maybe you started like having an argument over the goat. Who is the greatest of all time? And so maybe if you're in basketball, is that MJ, is that LeBron? Maybe if you're in football, is that Tom Brady? Will Patrick Mahomes be that? Maybe if you're like one of these people like, yeah, Jesus is better than them all, so it doesn't matter, okay? And so you just don't have to have that argument. But I don't know what came to your mind with this word great, but I wanted to look it up in the New Testament and see how it's used. Man, there are a lot of different instances where the word great is used. Like it might talk about a great joy or a great light or there was great suffering, there was a great earthquake, or a great storm, or even a great voice that they heard, or there was even great fear that the people had. And so there's all sorts of different instances that this word great was being used. But then I wanted to look at the word greater, or sometimes that word was actually translated into our English word greatest. So there are times where our Bible uses the word greater or greatest. And I'm going to tell you some of those, but here's the interaction that you got to help me with, okay? Whenever I say the word greater or greatest, you have to yell out number one, okay? So something that is greater or greatest, you're going to yell out number one. So we got to try that. Ready? So this morning was greater than yesterday. Okay. All right. So you got to be paying attention here. So anyway, here are some of the instances about in the New Testament specifically when this word greater. Okay, good. There you go. Was used. So Jesus actually said among men, there is no one greater than John the Baptist. All right. So Jesus is talking and man, look at John the Baptist over here. But then there's another verse that then he says, but Jesus or I am greater I am greater than John the Baptist. He says, I am greater than the temple. He says, I am greater than Jacob, our ancestor. And then you look through the whole book of Hebrews and constantly again and again and again, it's all about how Jesus is greater. Okay. There's other verses. Jesus is talking about his father and he says, the father is greater than I. 
Okay, so he says that. Then he even later is telling some of his followers, he says, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Okay, so again, we just see the power that God has. There's multiple times that Jesus says, you will see greater things than this. Like that which you see right now, you're pretty amazed, but just wait because that which is gonna happen, you'll be amazed by. He also teaches that no servant is greater than his master. And so as he's teaching his followers, hey, you come and follow me. And even things like persecution, they do that to me. They will do that to you as well. And so don't expect to be higher than me in this aspect. And yet then, almost the opposite side of things, he also says, hey, if you want to be the greatest, then you have to be a servant. Then you should be like these children right over here. If you want to understand what it means to really be top notch, this is the way that you ought to live. In fact, we're told one time that Judas is guilty of a greater sin than Pilate. We read how teachers, those who teach God's word, are judged more strictly or with a greater strictness. Okay, And then we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14, it talks about these gifts that we have. And near the end, it talks about faith, hope, and love. And then it says, but the greatest of all of these is love. Okay, and so we see all these different passages, but there's one passage that I want to look at this morning. And so if you have your Bibles or you have the app, we're looking at Mark chapter 12. Okay, we're not going to jump around like we were doing Proverbs. It's all in Mark chapter 12 today. There's also a cross-reference in Matthew chapter 21 and 22 in this section. But what you need to know is just kind of set up what we're going to look at. Jesus tells a story about some tenants. Like this man, he owns this, this vineyard and he goes off. And when it is harvest time, he sends some of his workers to go back and get what's due him. But the people who work it, they don't want him to get anything. And so they beat up some of his servants and they go back. And so again, it happens again. And second, same thing happens. So then he sends more servants and a servant is killed. And finally, the worker says, or the, the owner sends his son. And these workers say, you know what? We want all of this. And so they kill his son. And the Pharisees who are listening to the story, they understand that Jesus is talking about them, that they are rejecting, you know, who God has sent, at least what Jesus is saying. And then right after that, Jesus also tells another story. It's about a wedding banquet. It says this master sends out all these people inviting them to this wedding banquet, but so many people, yep, I'm not coming. And then people even have all these excuses. So then he's like, I just want everyone invited to go and tell everyone. And so then a large number come. But even when some people are there, he said, why are you not dressed the way you should? Why are you not dressed in wedding garb? And then throws them out. And again, the Pharisees understand that, man, this is aimed at them and they are angry. Okay, they do not like what Jesus is saying. They don't like that he's mixing up all their tradition and things like that. And so they look for what they can do to trap him, to kill him. And so they even like send some of their own disciples or some Herodians as well to go kind of test him. And so they ask this question, hey, should we give money to Caesar? And Jesus says, hey, give me a coin. And basically says, you ought to give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but give to God what is God's. And man, the people, it says they were amazed and they left. But then there's some other religious people called the Sadducees. Well, they're, it's now their turn. So they asked Jesus this question about marriage at the resurrection. You know, someday when, we, when we're with, with God, what is marriage going to look like? And they asked this really difficult question. And Jesus is like, you guys do not get it. Like you are missing everything that you've just asked me about. And the way that he answers, it says that they are astonished and they're silenced. And so then we get to our text in Mark chapter 12, verse 28. Let's see what it says here. 
And if the wind won't blow my page, it says this. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Okay, so we see this Pharisee, this teacher of the law, this expert in the law. He came and he tested based off another version. Okay, he wants to know what is the greatest? Number one. Okay, we got to try that again. What is the greatest? Number one. There you go. Commandment. That's what he wants to know. Which one is the most important? And actually, that was a debate that was heard sometimes because there were 613 Old Testament laws. And so sometimes people would have these discussions, which one is the most important? Then there's all these oral traditions. And so the answer to this may not be such a simple one. In fact, this is not the only time Jesus was asked this. If you know the story of the Good Samaritan, there is someone who comes up and asks this exact same question at that moment. Now, I don't think it's the same person because the response is completely different. But here we are. What is the greatest commandment? But before I answer that, before we read the text... I need us to sing a song together. All right. And some of you are like, maybe you didn't know some of the songs a while ago. Maybe you did. We're going to sing Jesus Loves Me together. All right. So hopefully you know that when the words are not printed anywhere. If you don't know, you can just move your mouth and act like you're singing. That's fine too. But we're going to sing Jesus Loves Me. All right. Here we go. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, and they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Okay, so you got the tune down, you got the words, Jesus loves me because the Bible tells me so. The reason I had you sing that is because a few years ago at kids camp, we were there and we were studying this theme of limitless. My group's name, we called ourselves Siltamil because it was limitless backwards. And so that's what we came up with. And this verse that we're about to read was one of our main memory verses that we were supposed to memorize. And so we put it to that song of Jesus loves me. And so you can read along if you want in verses, I'm pretty sure it's 29 to 31, but I'm going to sing it for you. Okay. Because that is still in my mind. So here is what Jesus' answer was to when this person asked, what is the greatest commandment? So it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul, with all your might and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than this. Cha-cha-cha. There we go. So anyway, that's the verse. That's the answer that Jesus tells him when he asks this. Okay, all these commandments, which one's the best one? Now, the first part of that comes from something called the Shema, which is what Jews would often speak. They would pray it. They would quote it at the beginning and end of the day before they went to their synagogue services. And that word Shema means hear, but not just listen. It also means this idea of obey. And it comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Listen to these words, see if it sounds familiar. Verses 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. So that's what Jesus is saying. You want to know which one's the best, which one you need to follow? That's what it is. Love God. But right after that, in Deuteronomy, it says this. It says, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. 
Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. And so this whole section, when Jesus says that, they're immediately understanding we are to love God and we're to teach. We're to teach our kids. We're to teach those around us that this is so important. And just in case you heard, wait, wait, wait. Our verse has the word mind. It didn't back then. The reason, because Mark and Luke are speaking more to a Gentile audience. And he says, I want you to get what the Hebrew word means. Like with everything you have, you are to love God. And so that's Jesus's answer. And here's his response. This man's response. Go to chapter 12, verse 32 through 34. This man says, well said, teacher. The man replied, you are right in saying that God is one and there is no one other than him to love him with all your heart with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered him wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Like this man said, man, Jesus, you're right. Like loving God really is more important than any kind of burnt offering and sacrifice that I can give, no matter how big that is. And Jesus says, you get it. You're not far off the kingdom. Keep seeking, keep following, keep doing well. And from that time on, they're like, we can't stump him with any questions. And so they quit trying. Can I just tell you this? We're kind of getting near the end. 613 laws. All of them had this intention of following God. Like they were to help us to know, do this or don't do this. You know, and then Jesus asked, which one's the most important? He says, the most important is to love God. But he doesn't just stop there. He also says, then you also need to love others. Like all things kind of come under that umbrella. That sums up what we are supposed to do as believers, as a follower of Jesus. And so even as I talk about today, if you live as a believer in Christ, like sometimes we think about these rules of Christianity, like rules of following Jesus. Do this or don't do that. Like maybe you think about I'm supposed to go to church or I'm supposed to give money or I'm supposed to like watch the words that I say or I'm not supposed to do drugs or things that harm me or I'm supposed to read the Bible. And I'll tell you, there's a place for all of those things, but we don't do it because it's a rule. We do it because we're following the greatest. All right, that'll work. We're following this commandment. Like all of it falls underneath that. If I choose to love God, then man, I'm going to want to serve. I'm going to want to follow. I'm going to want to obey. And as I do that, that is the defining characteristic. Like man, I can give money every single week, but without love, like I'm missing it. Like I can be a very moral person, but without loving God, I'm still not doing what I'm created to do. I can sit at church every week, even when they move it to the park, But if I'm not loving God, then I'm still missing it. Like the question, what is the greatest? It is to love God. And it's because we are loved. So just a while ago, we sang songs about praising God, like that he is faithful, that he is constant, that he fights for you, that he died for you. In fact, when I was looking at all those verses that had that word in it, here's another one. It says, greater. Love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus did. He came, his purpose was to show us love, was to save us, that you and I could live with him forever. He desires that we might choose his love and live in his love. Like that's why we meet here together. But what's really cool is there's also a verse uh, that John writes. He says, no greater joy 
do I have than to hear that my children are walking in the truth? Like, yeah, and he's not talking about his physical children. He's saying those that are listening to the word of God, like there is no more exciting news than to hear that you are following Jesus, that you are living that way. And if you're a parent, like you understand some of that. When your kids are following after Jesus, there is nothing that is more exciting. Or if you're a leader of any kind, like when the people who are following you get it, especially when there's a spiritual aspect to it, like there is nothing that is more important, that nothing that brings you more joy. And so here's one last quote that I'd love for you to think about. I saw this about the church and it said this, and it uses the word great, so you don't have to say number one. It says, a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will create a great church. Like people who really do love Jesus and who want to share that with other people, like that will be a place that people want to be part of. And so may we do that. May we love God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. And next week, we're going to come back and look at that aspect of loving other people a little bit more in our text. But that's what God's called us to do. And so may we do that well. May we do that by inviting people to a park, talking to people around us. When you're at work, when you're in the grocery store, everywhere we live, may we live in such a way that people see there's a difference in us. And so let's pray. God, I thank you uh, for this morning, this opportunity to come together, to worship you, to understand your word a little bit more. God, it really is simple. God, we ought to love you. And by doing that, that means loving other people as well. And so help us in spots where maybe we put you on the back burner, that we want to do things for you. And it's not to earn your love, but because you're worthy of it. God, like time and time again in scripture, we saw how you are the biggest. You are the greatest. You are the most important. And so we lift your name high. And we're going to continue to do that through song. Father, I even pray, you know, as just the words have been spoken, that, that you would touch us in the way that we need it. And so maybe that's an encouragement just to continue to love. God, maybe as we're listening to this, we want to know what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to be set free by him? And God, if that's happening, I pray that you'd work in hearts of individuals. And here in just a moment, uh, God, help us to have conversations back at the decision tent. And so, Father, we love you. We continue to lift your name high. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.